Don't always think like, oh, I'm going to leave these digital strategies or approach because I can't hire someone. I can't do this. Start. Start somewhere. Helping business leaders grow themselves, their team, and their profits. This is Entree Leadership. Now, here's your host, Ken Coleman. Coming to you from the Music City, this is the broadcast of leaders by leaders for leaders. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. Here's what we've got coming up for you. Dara Traceder is the Chief Marketing Officer for GE Business Innovations. Unbelievable lady. I'll tell you more about her in just a moment. And then we're going to bring you some of Dave Ramsey's keynote talk at Summit 2018, the topic specifically on market disruption. And we're going to give you some great free resources. Here we go. As I said, Dara Traceder is one of the most impressive ladies I've talked to in a long time. This is just a bit of her accolades. She was recently named one of the 30 most inspirational women to watch in tech by Inc. Magazine, and Forbes recognized her as one of the nine marketing experts that chief marketing officers need to be aware of. So that's high, high praise. Delightful lady, full of energy, a lot of great conversation and practical items coming your way on disruption. Here is my conversation with Dara. Dara, it's great to have you with us, and I'm really excited about the the things that you espouse, the ideas that we're going to talk about. And I want to start with something that the team, the research I've got here in front of me, a statement, if you will, that is attributed to you, and I want you to teach on it because I think it's going to hit a real pain point for our listeners. And you say there's a growth gap. And I think a lot of people understand the idea of the growth gap. They may see it, they may feel it. And uh, yet they're not quite sure how to innovate, how to prepare themselves to overcome that gap. Just describe for us what you see when you use that phrase growth gap. How can our listeners, the leaders that are listening, how can they identify that and begin to try to attack how to close that gap? I think that's an excellent question. And really, it starts out when you are trying to sell a product or a service And you look at the market share and you see that there's actually a lot of room, a lot of white space (laughs) Mm -hmm. for you to grow. And as a company, as a business leader, as you start to identify the positions that you can take to move your business from where it is to where it could be, and then start to innovate and pull together cross-functional mission-based teams that are working to think about how do you evolve your business model? How do you connect better to your customers? How do you rethink, reimagine what customer expectations are so that you can surprise and delight them? Mm. And that's how you start to bridge this growth gap. And I think innovation is at the heart of this. Mm -hmm. And that's why we've seen innovation move from peripheral to foundational. Yeah. I want to follow up what you just said. I think that's a a really, really good point. And I guess I would ask, when you begin to do what you just described, because you'd really described a process of examination, if you will, do you see in this process of examination, that's where creation and ultimately innovation comes from? Absolutely. I think as you start to examine, you start to explore. What does the future state look like and how do we get there? And that's where you start to really innovate and kind of tap into, almost go a level deeper 
and tap into the potential that lies within your organization and start to unlock that potential mm. to create growth. Okay, I want to talk about two areas, in, and I think they're closely aligned in your thought process and in your methodology. That's ecosystem development. You're really kind of touching on this, but take us deeper on that because I think you hear that and you're very intelligent. You've already used several words that I would have to really focus on to spell correctly. But I hear ecosystem. Oh my gosh. No, I'm having <laughs> fun. I know, I know. I'm having fun. But you know what I'm doing? I'm, I'm poking fun at we hear something like ecosystem development. And if we're not careful, we check out. We go, well, well right. I mean, I, I think I know what she's saying, but I don't know. I want you to just boil that down, Main Street that for us, for these folks. And what is it in your mind? And then how do you actually begin to develop it? I think that's an excellent question. And there are a lot of buzzwords these days as people kind of think about innovation and think about growth. Mm -hmm. And ecosystem, unfortunately, is one of those buzzwords. But I think ecosystem is about pulling together all of the different stakeholders, all of the different groups, people that can come together to work on a specific idea or build out a specific market. When I went to undergrad, we always used to, I went to Harvard undergrad and we always used to crack this joke about Yale and say, it was really nice Yale showed up because then it, <laughs> then it kind of validated Harvard. Right. That's like a, a, a tongue in cheek comment. But when you have strong competitors, it's almost like Lyft helps to validate Uber. So as, as we grow and build out that ecosystem, it's transforming the market and driving impact and helping us to get to a better place and create a better world. One part of that ecosystem, obviously, and you touched on it, is partnerships. And I think this is another one of those sticky ideas for small business people. Because you think, well, I, you know, I can look out into the market and maybe see some new ideas, and it would cost me this much or take me this much time. And if I even entertained a partnership, how do I even start that conversation? What am I looking for in a healthy partner? Now, of course, we're not talking about a legal contractual partnership, but rather just strategizing strengths within your team. So what should we be looking for, whether they be traps or positive things that we're looking for? And then take the fear away. You know, the, this idea that, oh, I just don't know if it's worth partnering with somebody. When In all actuality, you know this. A partnership can completely change the game. It absolutely can. And I love that you're talking about it and that we're talking about it today because I really think partnership is the model for the future. We always think about build. I've got to build this myself. But when you're trying to grow, there comes a, a point where you really need to partner to take it to the next level. And I think when you're thinking about partnership, you're really trying to evaluate who is the right player when we bring our strengths together Mm -hmm. And we combine forces. Wow, we can yes. make a difference. That's when the magic happens. So understanding what are the gaps that that other party might have and making sure that your value proposition, what makes you unique, fill into those gaps. That's where I think partnerships really work. And you know what? Partnerships are like a marriage. The people side of things are very important, mm -hmm. especially as a small business. So you need to make sure that you have the same values and the right culture. There's a cultural fit there that can help the partnership be successful because hard times happen. Mm -hmm. We go through cycles and evolutions. You know, there's integrity, there's trust, and you have a way to work together to manage crises or different reputation issues, I think is incredibly important. And when you go into partnership, it's almost like what happens to that other party could have an impact on your culture and your brand. That's so right. you need to make sure there's a good fit there. 
And you're seated in a position, obviously, with GE Business Innovations. I mean, I think of all the different, you know, it's like a spider that never ends, all the different connections and things that within GE, and I think we can all appreciate that. I, I want to stay here for a minute because you have some unique expertise. What are some practical things? Because uh, you, you talked about the value and finding value. You talked about the relationship, but when looking, when out there looking and knowing, okay, this is good versus great. I'm just curious what experience you have to share on that to when a partnership looks good, but it may not be the best partnership. Really being selective. How selective are you in that role? I'm pretty selective. We have to be selective because we want to make sure that it's mutually beneficial. Yeah. I think I would say mutuality really matters. And the right partnerships are one where it's a give and take. So you can drive a lot of value, you can get a lot of value, but you can also give a lot of value. And I think really evaluating and being honest about mutuality and will this help both of us? Does this solve both issues that are important to both of us? I think that is a really good test for figuring out, is this the right partner or not? The other thing that I think is so important is you need to think about returns, so as you evaluate partners and you're maybe comparing, you know, a couple of different players, where are you going to get the most returns? Mm -hmm. We're trying to really 10x things <laughs> and thinking, is this mm -hmm. partnership going to deliver incredible returns? Exactly. Create that multiplier effect for both of us. I think that's where you start to connect the dots and form a partnership that's really strong, not just delivering for today, but for tomorrow and the future. Okay. I'm trying to think of some of the questions because obviously people see you in your position of GE and it, it, obviously it's impressive. It's a little big. I'm thinking of the small businessman or woman who's listening in and they're going, okay, I'm with you, Dara. Totally tracking with you. Uh, talk to me about how to protect myself. Right. You know, because, you know, we can date anybody and we see lots of divorces <laughs> out there too, right? Where everything starts great. Right. How do they keep the honeymoon phase or at least a healthy partnership, healthy relationship and feel like, okay, I'm going to go partner with somebody that's in a similar space, but I don't want them to end up kicking me to the curb and doing what I'm doing. You have to be smart. You have to be smart. And that's why I said the values matter and looking at mutuality, but you also need to think about intellectual property right? and how you are protecting your intellectual property. And if you co-create something together, making sure that there's a revenue share. So I think thinking about your intellectual property strategy is really critical. And I think this is especially important for small companies as you partner with bigger companies, right? You need to think about what that partnership looks like. Because many times, you know, you get really excited about that deal and, yes. and you're just willing to take that one-time payment when maybe it makes more sense to license. Because when you license, you have recurring payment, right? And that way, the company doesn't just take what you create and run with it, but there's a reason for that relationship to continue to exist. So thinking about your IP strategy, thinking about not just a one-time sale, but how could I create recurring revenue, I think is incredibly important and maybe not something that small businesses think about a lot. Mm -hmm. Well, you have vast experience, obviously, with helping entrepreneurs from marketing strategy, innovation standpoints. I'm curious, for our audience, mostly small businessmen and women, how is marketing still the same in 2018? And then how is it very, very different? <laughs> I love this question. I think marketing is still the same in the sense that you have to tell a story. Mm -hmm. 
We have loved stories from time memorial. We're still human. We still love stories. And I think it's important not to forget that because I think sometimes with all the technology, all the tools available, we focus a lot on tactics, but we don't necessarily think about, is my message going to connect with someone on the other side of the table? Mm -hmm. And I think especially as small businesses, as you're trying to build a following, drive customer loyalty, drive repeat customers, it's so important to tell your story in a clear way that resonates. People still make decisions many times from emotion (laughs) as opposed to thinking about, you know, rationalizing things. So many times I find, you know, entrepreneurs, small businesses, you want to quickly go to the stats, but you're not really teasing out why those stats are important. So for example, a business that helps with productivity might just want to say, hey, you know, saved a thousand hours in a year, helps you save 20% of cost. Why does that matter? Why is that critical? You know, maybe it's that it helps you work better so you can focus on what really matters, Mm -hmm. right? So connecting the dots, I think is critical. And I think that is something that's only going to become more important. You hear a lot of marketing thought leaders talk about purpose-driven marketing. Yes. People care about the why. Yes. The purpose is so important. So don't just push your product. Try to make it not just transactional, but really relational. How are you telling a story? How are you cultivating that relationship? I think that is going to continue to be even more important in the future. And I think what's changed is we're in this era where we can gather a lot of data. Never before have we been able to gather as much data from our customers as we can now. You know what we're not doing? We're not prioritizing that data. Mm. We're not analyzing that data. And we're not utilizing that data to drive business decisions. And I think this is another area where marketing can really tap into what's great about our discipline today but how can we actually leverage some of the tools that exist to bring us even closer to our customers? Okay, that's awesome. I want to stay right there. How does a small businessman or woman do what you just said there? So I think it's about whether you're using Google, you're using Facebook, you're using LinkedIn, whatever tools you're kind of using to kind of promote your business, advertise your business, get your business out there. Make sure that you are, as you're collecting data from your customers, you're utilizing that data in a very thoughtful way. So don't just reach out to your customers when you want to sell them something. Check in. Yeah. How did that experience work out for them? Do they need any help? You know, really try to build out a customer journey from acquiring the lead to nurturing the lead, getting the lead to finally make that purchase. But after the purchase is done, it doesn't end there. Mm -hmm. You have to continue to nurture those customers to turn them into loyalists and hopefully advocates that help to drive more leads. So building out that entire customer journey, mapping that out, and then using tactics on these various platforms to help you move from generating interest to really creating advocates that help to generate even more interest. Mm -hmm. Hey, folks, I started Ramsey Solutions on a card table 30 years ago. Over that time, we had too many different systems, and they slowed us down. That's why we now use NetSuite. 
NetSuite works for us, and it'll make a difference for your business too. Whether you're just starting out or you're well on your way to becoming a multi-million dollar company, NetSuite can scale with you to help communicate across departments and plan ahead better. See, you know your day-to-day forward and backward, but stuff like analytics, accounting, human capital management, all that might be another story. Or maybe you're not tech savvy. Well, all that's okay. NetSuite will help your company in your situation increase your speed. More than 37,000 companies use NetSuite to know their numbers. And right now you can download NetSuite's free KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance at netsuite.com slash Ramsey. That's netsuite.com slash Ramsey. This episode is brought to you by Trainual. Even when you're great at running the day-to-day, a lot of leaders struggle to delegate. But delegation is a critical leadership skill, and empowering your team by building that skill just takes having the right system in place. Well, Trainual is that system, and it's a game-changer. Trainual is an easy-to-use app that helps document and organize everything about your company in one place. Clear outlines for every role and responsibility – step-by-step training for all your SOPs and employee handbook content, an org chart and directory. You can build accountability tests. Employees can even use Trainual's powerful search to answer their own questions. Companies using Trainual are cutting training time and related costs by up to 75%. Get started with over 300 templates and their world-class support. It's time to get your entire team playing from the same playbook. Visit trainual.com slash entree today for a demo and get 15% off your first year with code entree15. That's 15% off at T-R-A-I-N-U-A-L dot com slash entree with code E-N-T-R-E-1-5. Aren't we at a point, Dara, and I, you can tell me if I'm wrong because I'm just going to throw a suggested question out here. Are we at a point where no one listening here can say, oh, you know, we don't do anything on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. We just don't do anything. We just don't have time. I don't have somebody I can, if I can't hire somebody full-time to do that, you know, blah, 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 blah. Aren't we in a place where that's just honestly silly and you're leaving money on the table? It's absolutely silly. It's ridiculous. I mean, if you don't have a digital strategy at this point, that is unfortunate because you are leaving so much on the table. And one thing I will say is you don't have to do every single channel. Right. You can be thoughtful about what channel makes the most sense for your audience, but you absolutely need to have a digital strategy. I mean, I remember talking to a lady I met the other day. She actually runs a therapy business and kind of consulting coach business, small business here in the Bay Area in Palo Alto. And she was saying, oh, you know, I'm losing clients, like not losing in the bad sense, but, you know, hopefully she's helped the people to the point where they don't need her help anymore. So she's kind of graduated, right? She's graduated all these former patients and clients. And she's like, I need new business, but it's, you know, it's been tough. Mm. And I said, well, you know, how many reviews do you have on Yelp? Oh, I'm not on Yelp. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you do anything? Do you have a Facebook page? No, I'm not on Facebook. Well, and she was like, you know, mental health is a tricky thing and people don't want to write reviews and stuff. I said, with everything going on, with Kate Spade's passing and Anthony, you know, people care so much about mental health right now. I can't even tell you how many people have showed up in my feed just saying, hey, I have a problem. I need help. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, you will be surprised If you set up a Yelp page and ask some of your patients that have graduated, if they would like to write about their experience, 
And, you know, I ended up running to her again the other day, you know, at Whole Foods. And I asked her, well, what happened? And it was just a couple of weeks Mm. time between when she's already fully booked. And that's just because she finally got the word out there using digital tools. Yeah. So I think, you know, that's sort of an example, but this is showing a woman, you know, she's a one woman shop. It's a very small business. Mm-hmm. I think she might have an assistant who helps her from time to time, but just by going digital, <laughs> she was able to fill a business gap that existed. Exactly. So I do think we are past the point where you can just say, hey, I'm not going to use these platforms. I think it's silly to ignore these platforms. And let me ask you this. Do you have to have a full-time employee that does this? If you're a small business like this lady, perfect example, by the way, she may have a part-time assistant, maybe it's full-time. She doesn't have a staff of 10, 20, 30, or 40. You can find somebody who can help you get started and get out there. Absolutely. Do not need to hire a full-time person. And you can actually do this yourself. Yes, exactly. (laughs) If you think about how much time you maybe spend on Facebook or Instagram. Preach it. uh, Hello. I agree. (laughs) You could just take a portion of that time and use it to promote your business. And schedule your posts. And many times, and schedule your posts. You know, there's so many tools that you can use to schedule your posts. And you don't have to spend a ton of money to do this as well. A couple hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. A small marketing budget can go very, very far. Mm. I mean, I was talking to someone who runs some sort of small, medium-sized business who spent $7,000 on Facebook ads that ended up driving over 200,000 engagements. Wow. That, you know, ended up converting, I think, at about a 30% That's right. rate. So that was incredible. That was great ROI on the money that right. she spent. And so I think... Don't always think like, oh, I'm going to leave these digital strategies or approach because I can't hire someone. I can't do this. Start. Yeah. Start somewhere. Yeah. Take the first step and you'll be amazed at what can happen. I agree because we've never in history been able to get in front of as many eyeballs for as little effort and as little money as what we're talking about. And in a very precise way. Oh, that's it's not you, just, you know, it's right. not just getting, it's the precision. You're right. Like not only are you able to get at eyeballs, but you're able to get at the right eyeballs. The right eyeballs. That's need, right. That's right. Who need, I mean, I can't even tell you how many times, you know, I'm being marketed things that I, I don't even know how, how these people, you know, the, I'm like, I'm being stalked. I'm like, is, right. is Alexa listening to what I'm saying? But it's amazing yeah. because we deep linking, you know, there's such an ability for you to market to people at the time when they need it. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about pushing product, but it's really solving a problem that a customer might have with your product or with your service. Yes, that's well said. All right, our time is almost up with you, but one of the things I love to do with our guests is just give you the opportunity to encourage these entrepreneurs, these leaders, these personal growth junkies that are listening into us. And I like to set it up in a way that If you could have a lunch with all of these people one-on-one and you were going to encourage them as you left them, what would Dara tell them? So I would say, you know, don't despise the days of humble beginnings. Mm. You know, I think when you kind of start out, it's hard. There's a lot of resilience, a lot of grit. There might be naysayers, but, you know, take a data-driven market-backed approach. Start small. Test your ideas validate them, learn from them, and be motivated to grow. If you believe in something and there is a market for it, you've tested it out, it'll take a while, but don't give up. Hang in there, persevere, take that passion 
combine it with the purpose, the why you're doing what you're doing and just stay the course. One thing that I've learned and I, I continue learning, you know, it's a constant journey is that life is like a jungle gym. It's not a ladder. Right. And sometimes you have to go down That's to go right. up. That's right. Sometimes you need to pause and catch your breath and think about where you're going to go next. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you speed it up. Sometimes you slow it down. And all of this is a part of the journey. So don't just focus on the destination. Embrace the journey and embrace the turns and the unexpected things that come along the way. That's good. You know, I'll add one more thing to the old monkey bars and that whole jungle gym thing is sometimes you're going to fall down, you lose right. your breath, you scrape your knee, and then you realize I actually didn't die. And five minutes later, like all of our kids, they're back up on exactly. the jungle gym. So that's great stuff. She is Dara Traceder, Chief Marketing Officer for GE Business Innovations, a great lady. And Dara, I got to tell you, really good stuff. We know your time is valuable and we appreciate you being with us. We're better for it. Thank you so much for having me. This has been an absolute blast. Big thanks to Dar for hanging out with us. All right, Entree Leadership, E1D. That stands for Entree Leadership One Day. It is, I believe, our signature blocking and tackling event all in one day. Now, we've got Master Series, which is like training camp. That gets you ready for the football season. You know, that's your deep dive. And then Summit is like the Super Bowl. So what is what is E1D? I think it's your, okay, this is your special skills camp. You know, you come in, we're going to give you the whole play, but we're going to get you ready for training camp. It's the mini camp. That's what it is. It's the mini camp. I'm going crazy with the football analogies. People who don't like football are like, okay, enough already. Tell me about the event. Entree Leadership One Day, fantastic event that we're going to bring to you via live stream. Now, we've been doing this now for several seasons. So if you've been with us for any amount of time, this is nothing new to you. If you're new to us, we take that one-day event, And we give you the entire playbook for success at Ramsey Solutions. And it covers a whole host of topics. It's November 9th, 2018. That's November 9th. You can stream it from anywhere. That means you can watch it anywhere. You can watch it in your kitchen. You can take your computer, set it up on a screen, and take it to your mechanics while they're changing your catalytic converter, your oil, whatever it is. The point is, once you pay for it, you can watch it anywhere. Dave Ramsey, Chris Hogan, Bobby Grunewald, who is the founder of Uversion, which is an unbelievable organization, nonprofit, taking the Bible all around the world, multiple formats, and it's free. So don't think ministry, think technology, because that's who Bobby Grunewald is. He is a major, major brain. All right, here's how you get registered and your $10 discount. Go to entreeleadership.com slash Ken. That's entreeleadership.com slash Ken, or Click on the link in this episode's show notes, again, to get the $10 discount as you register. It's going to be a great day. I'll be hosting the event and uh, would love to have you join us. Now we're going to take you to the Summit 2018 stage in San Antonio, Texas, a portion of Dave Ramsey's talk on market disruption. Listen in and learn. I don't care what space you're in, change is coming and it's coming at a breakneck speed and you got to get ready. You're either creating the wave of market disruption, you're riding the wave of market disruption, or you're getting crushed by the wave of market disruption. No one is on the sidelines. You will be an ice house that's out of business or you'll be a two and a half billion dollar industry 
because you caught the front edge of the wave or you created the wave that you're riding. Standing on the sidelines is no longer an option. We struggle with this inside of our organization because once something's working, you kind of want to let it just work. You want to get comfortable. That thing's profitable. Don't screw with it. I've been working 15 years to get to that. Finally, it gets there, and everybody wants to mess with it. Leave it alone. It's working. I like my comfort zone. Don't bother me. You don't have an option. You should be very uncomfortable in your comfort zone. As we studied this inside of our own selves and our organization, and we've watched other companies that are moving and shaking and other ones that are being overtaken and pounded by this market disruption, we figured out there's basically about three things that'll cause you to get crushed by market disruption. Number one, hubris. Once I learned to read, I loved reading. I discovered reading could take me anywhere I wanted to go. One of the first things I got plugged into, these little yellow books, and they were at the sixth grade level, and I read them all in the fourth grade. There was a whole series of them on Greek mythology, all the interaction with the Greek gods and the humans. And in almost every one of them, the interaction with the hero that brings the hero down is excessive pride. The Greek word is hubris. My friend Jim Collins wrote the book Good to Great after he wrote the book Built to Last. And while he was working on his follow-up book, his third book, the marketplace shifted. There was a big downturn in the economy, and he had all this research in front of him. Jim writes from research. He's a wonderful academic. And he really did not intend to put out another book until Thriving on Chaos came out, but he dropped this little book out in the middle of that, How the Mighty Fall. And he started studying great companies that had fallen, and the number one habit was hubris. Hubris. Excessive arrogance or overconfidence kills companies. Nokia owned the cell phone business. Their market share was an 800-pound gorilla. They owned the business. They had touchscreen technology in their R&D labs and decided in their brilliance that it wasn't marketable and it didn't need to come to the market that the flip phone was going to be just fine. Nokia is gone. They're gone. Hubris will cause market disruption to crush you. The second one is keeping your head down, not looking up. You can't survive in business if you don't set aside time for strategic thought. Now, this is a revelation for people like me because I'm a guy who makes payroll by Friday. I'm the guy who gets up, leaves the cave, kills something, and drag it home. I do tactical stuff by nature. When in doubt, push something. When in doubt, move something. When in doubt, work. When in doubt, move, move, move. Activity, activity, activity. Do something tactical. Move something. I'm that guy. But as our business has grown, I've had to learn to get above the problem and look at the whole problem. That's called strategic thought, if you didn't know. Instead of just being down in the problem, trying to fight your way through it. Because if you're above the problem, you go, if you just turn left right there, you could go around. You don't have to go through that wall. Me, I'm just running into the wall half my life. So I've got all these MBAs that work on our team now. How many of you have an MBA? I love MBAs. I've learned so much from y'all. 
master's in business. I've got several of them on our team. I didn't hire them because they had MBAs. We hired them because they were smart and they happened to have an MBA. But 100% of the MBAs that I've ever interfaced with in depth, all of them learn at least this one thing in every MBA program, and that is strategic thought. They teach you, if they don't teach you anything else when you're getting your MBA, to get above the problem and work the problem from up here. And so those MBAs have really helped a guy like me, a dirt-scratching entrepreneur, learn to get out of the tactical and up into the strategic and watch where I'm going and how to get there. The benefit, those MBAs have taught me that, and I've taught some of them how to work. (laughs) But you got to have both, don't you? You can work stupid. Where there is no vision, the people perish. We know this in our organization. It's happened to us a time or two. The third thing is protecting sacred cows. Man, don't we love the stuff we love. This thing's making money. Back in the day, this was how it all started. When my grandpa started, this is what we sold. Well, you'd be out of business, son. I don't care what your grandpa did. Our rule around our place is we look for sacred cows and we shoot them and eat them for lunch. If you try to protect your market share artificially instead of serving the customer so much better than anybody that's disrupting the market, then you're going to get taken down. That's a sacred cow. I've always done it this way. I like it this way. It's always worked. Why would we change it? Because things are changing. You're looking for clues in the present with these trend lines that foreshadow the future. You're looking for stuff like that. doesn't matter what business you're in. You can be in an ancient business and deliver it a new way. Radio is an old business. Teaching from stage is an old business. Publishing is an old business. We gotta find new ways to do our old business and be market disruptors or at a minimum ride the wave of the market disruption to keep us from being crushed by the market disruption. I think that's exciting news. I think it's great news. I'm an entrepreneur. All that spells for me is opportunity, and it gives me a little bit of a healthy desperation to run so I don't get killed. I'm going to be right there in the middle of all of that, and you should too. Great stuff from Dave. If you want to check out the talk, you can get it at episode 265, so however you listen However you subscribe, you can go back and check out episode 265 to get the talk. All right, our friends at Infusionsoft are bringing you the Marketing to Millennials ebook this episode. Now, 30% of the world's population is defined as millennials. Now, let's just look at the American workforce. Last year, millennials overtook previous generations as the largest generation in the workforce in America. 41% of millennials don't have a landline phone. They just use their cell phone. say that helping make a positive difference in the world is more important than money or recognition. These are just a few of the snapshots on how this generation is very unique and very, very important. Now, only 15% of small businesses are marketing directly to millennials. Folks, that's just brain dead. That's brain dead dumb. Please don't be brain dead dumb. You need to know how to market to this very influential generation. They're spending, you ready for this? $200 billion annually. That's B, billion, $200 billion. Please don't be brain dead dumb. Get this ebook from Infusionsoft on how to market to millennials. 
You can get it at the link in this episode show notes. It's episode 277 at entreleadership.com. Click on podcast, go to episode 277 and get the link from our friends at Infusionsoft. It's free. Did I mention that it's free? And it's really good. Just so you know, Infusionsoft knows how to market to millennials and they're going to help you. Great stuff from our friends at Infusionsoft. Well, that's going to do it. So as I say every episode, but I truly mean it, on behalf of Will the Producer, Tim the Engineer, and the entire Entree Leadership team, thank you so very much for listening. We'll talk with you again very soon. Hey folks, I want to make you aware that we have other great podcasts from Ramsey Solutions. Here's a sample of The Ken Coleman Show. According to a recent Gallup poll, nearly 70% of Americans are disengaged at work. If you dread going into work every Monday morning and you're just trying to make it to the weekend, The Ken Coleman Show is for you. Everyone has a sweet spot. Your sweet spot is at the intersection of your greatest talent and greatest passion. We will help you discover what it is you were born to do, and then we'll help you create a plan to make your dream job a reality. You matter, and you have what it takes. Join the conversation on The Ken Coleman Show. To hear full episodes, just search Ken Coleman in iTunes or go to KenColemanShow.com. 